I had a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist follow me for 30 days while I detoxed off of heroin using cannabis and VA wouldn't, uh, wouldn't let me in the, the detox facilities because I wouldn't admit to being suicidal. Wow, well, let's, let's, let's start over and let me introduce you. Yeah. Welcome to Far North Token. This is episode 131, March 24th, 2019, with your host, Mid Token. Thank you all for listening. Most weeks, I really don't know who I am going to interview. Try to stay ahead of the game. It just doesn't happen. Between running all these things, ugh, this week, I did not know what was going to happen. We come up Saturday night, and I had two guests lined up. Both did not work out. Both were supposed to happen possibly Saturday night. Did not happen. Again, not that I don't know what, what we're going to do. I get contacted by Pearson Crosby. About 7 o'clock at night. He says, Kemp Langford has been talking to him and wants him to come on the show. Thinks he's got a good story to share. We all know he's got a good story to share. We all know he has a good story to share. Contacted him months ago about coming on the show. He agreed. We just never scheduled anything. So happy he contacted last night. Again, seven o'clock. How soon do you want to make this happen? Sooner the better. Do you want to do it tonight? Let's do it. I'll see you there in a half hour. Recorded. We only have part one done. Story is so deep. This is a story of tragedy and then triumph. We can't tell the triumph without the tragedy. I warned those of you that are listening, some of what Pearson talks about is the reason he is internally damaged, mentally, emotionally. He didn't mention physically. He's going to share some of the reasons he's damaged. We didn't even get to how cannabis helps him yet. Some of it's going to be graphic. Some of it could be hard to listen to for some. Warning, listen at your own risk. Jump ahead at things that you feel might be too tough to listen to. Let's get to Pearson Crosby. I would like to take this time to personally thank the patrons of Far North Tokers. It's been a long run. The show is progressing, evolving. At this point, I feel I want to reward my super fans with not taking the coin from you. Pulling back my hat from the tip ring. Thank you so much. All these months of support, it has meant the most to me. Cannot even imagine. Taking resources from your own life and giving them to support my art. Thank you so much. Ramblin' Ranger, Peggy Peters, Aaron Worthen, Carrie Mullis, Marilyn Berglund, Josiah Lockery, Rhonda Howard, Sarah Grover, Bertie Walters, D.B. Copeland, Beastly Buds. I love you guys. At this point, patreon.com slash midtoker is closed. Here's Token. Welcome to Far North Tokers, and we are here. We're graciously accessing a place to record at Good Titrations. 
which is awesome. They're letting us record here. I'm here with Pearson Crosby, cannabis activist, vet activist, activist for humans. Yeah, I guess uh, so, all, all, all the above. I, I like. Yeah, I, I enjoy people. <laughs> you've been a, you've been in the scene for a long time, doing things in Alaska. That's how I know you. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I see you on the cover of High Times. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that was huge in in my mind where I see you. It's like wow, what the hell? How do you get on High Times? <laughs> and so I am. <sighs> Probably going to be stunned after you tell me your story because I don't know your story. Okay. Where's it being with cannabis? Oh, it's cannabis. Do we need to step back further? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it starts maybe from the very beginning of uh, my uh, adolescence. I, uh, you know, I mean, I dabbled in cannabis in uh, high school, junior high stuff. And your East Coast, so that was bad stuff. You smoking like that, right? Were you smoking good stuff? Getting a hold of some? Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, I, I grew up in a middle upper class area outside of Philadelphia. Seventh grade, uh, brick weed was always a good thing, and you know the older dealers would never uh, break break it down, so you'd have to buy an ounce and eighths, <laughs> right, all the way up, right? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, grew up in the suburbs outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I, I was introduced to cannabis. Like I said, at a young age for most people. I wasn't a habitual smoker or anything like that. But I mean, Just from part kind of social and parties that happened. Yeah, I mean, be around. Someone gave, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a buddy give me 16 clones one time when I was, there were 15 clones when I was 16. That's pretty big. I mean, I've never seen plants that young when I was young. So when, Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I never saw uh, a SWAT team in my house prior to that either. So uh, I got to. A banging on the on my uh, the in law suite in my my parents' house, or which was my room. No damn police department at the door. <laughs> I'm passed out. Sixteen. Well, yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, six thirty on a school day, Wednesday. You know. Yeah. And you hear uh, the police department open up, and I, I open the window, and I was like, "Are you serious? What year is this? Probably. I graduated two thousand four. 1999. Or scary times with cannabis in Pennsylvania then. Oh, yeah. I mean, it only became uh, uh, decriminalized in Philadelphia a few years ago. And we fought for that pretty hard. So knock at the door, 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, my, my, my best friend's dad, who was also the head narcotics detective in my township, is uh, standing right there. And I, I knew I could jump out the window and get away, but they knew where I lived. You know? <laughs> so, but you were thinking it just to run. Oh, right? I opened that window and they started beating the door down, and it was a I mean, it was a really solid door. Um, yeah, had I mean, you been growing for a while at that point? No, no, I had no, no I had no idea what I was doing. No lights. I was it was just in the window. You know, so someone saw it in the window. Or how did how did they uh, see? It? So what what happened was acquaintance of mine got. Right, he got picked up for doing something a little bit more gay than than Crown Pop Lance. I mean, I guess back then it was kind of equivalent, but they gave him a way out, and I was the way out. To tell him about a pot farm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the big pot farm of the... the Your first time you have plants. Oh, yeah. It was like a week after I had him in the, in the room. But you were probably loving it at 16. You're just like... Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Just, and you know, <laughs> Yeah. 
Okay. Foot, under, under, under two foot, um, just straggly plants. I had no idea what I was dealing with. <laughs> um, they bust in. What happens? Oh, they tackle me. Walk out handcuffs. Luckily, I was, I was in line during the Marine Corps. The head narcotics detective, George Kelly, is also a Marine, which was great. Also, my my, uh, my best friend's father. Not that I got any expressive treatment. He wasn't my... He couldn't be the detective on the case because of the personal relationship. But they, they, went, they were lenient on me just because there wasn't any sophisticated grow platforms or anything like that. There was, I didn't have nutrients. I didn't have... It was just like a little plant and soil. On like the That's uh, the windowsill, so they they at least listened to the the fact that you didn't had no idea what you're doing. Yeah, you pretty much. Being a stupid was, kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I I spoke to a lawyer pretty much directly after that, and that was her first questions were like, "Well, what kind of setup do you have?" Blah blah. blah. And I was like, "None." Like I had the sun <laughs> on the windowsill of my my room, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, they, they booked me. I was sat in there for a while. I think my parents actually, uh, I don't even know if my parents picked me up. I think they had my uncle or something pick me up. <laughs> were, they, were they just pissed? Or they, were yeah, they, I mean, I, I have Did four, they know you were growing? No, no. Okay. Um, it, I have four younger brothers and two younger sisters. So uh, I'm the oldest of seven. Um, so you were probably, they weren't even looking at you. There's so much going on. Oh, absolutely. I learned, I learned uh, very young how to get away with stuff. Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality, American-made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting with competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm going to let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red Lyrical Sticker. So at that time you weren't even uh, you weren't even smoking herb a lot at that point, right? No, no. So one of your first instances with cannabis, you're facing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, like uh, if I was in Idaho and over eighteen, shit, you know, I mean, even Pennsylvania back then, yeah, over eighteen, rude. <laughs> well, I had an instance where I was caught with the smell of cannabis on my fingers in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm, yeah, I got a possession charge for that. Was living in Pennsylvania at the time, mm-hmm. visiting, came back to Pennsylvania. They were offering, I could have done, well, I could have done a, a three-hour class in Boston and paid a $30 fine and get out, but I was living in Pennsylvania. Go down there. Pennsylvania says a year probation. You get drug tested every couple weeks. Huge fines, tests mm-hmm. every couple weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and I'm like, what? Yep. And that was probably 98. Eight, yeah, ninety-seven. Yeah, Pennsylvania uh, has come a long way with cannabis. I uh, fast too. Yeah. Oh, so first instance. So yeah, you. that that happened. Um, you know, I I uh, were you just off pot then? You're just like I'm not touching, or you just kept on smoking? And... Oh yeah, no, you couldn't tell me any, anything. Gotcha. I, I was the smartest mother. I was like, that's why I don't grow because I put everybody else out of business. 
<laughs> just being a smartass? Yeah, I'm being a smartass. Uh, at the time, though. Oh, yeah, I was a smart. I, I but you were saying that? Oh, you're saying now you don't Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, so, person. Uh, current, uh, current times, yeah. Nah, I, I like to say that because everybody, uh, everybody has their own techniques and that they're always the best techniques. And well, it's the best for them. So, yeah, and I like to joke that, yeah, you know, if I was... If I were growing, I'd put everybody out of business. I just care for you guys way too much, you know? Plus, I'm lazy as hell. Um, That's going to be the opening line of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get out on that pretty easy? From uh, that? Or, I mean, it had to be, you just got I, off? No, or? yeah. No, it was wild. I, uh, shoot, I mean, it was really just, uh, not even a slap on the wrist. They were just like, like, I, when, I, when I kept on getting interviewed by them, because I was a minor, Right. Uh, my first offense, I never, like, I was a basketball, baseball player. I was a good athlete. I was always respectful to my, my teachers and my peers, like, I, uh, Boy Scouts and stuff, you know. One of the things that, uh, that my, mo- my mother always brings up is that uh, the Boy Scout leaders, every time we'd go on camping trips, they'd come back and tell my mother how how they wouldn't have been able to do it without me because I was taking care of the, the kids that, that weren't really um, in the in crowd, you know, uh, which, which I always enjoyed. Because I mean, growing up with four younger brothers, two younger sisters, like that, that was my role. I was a, the third responsible person in the family, you know. Keeping, simmering things down. Yeah, yeah. Solving a lot of problems. Trying to, at least for thinking I am. Well, at, <laughs> at being 16. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Oh no! I, I, my mom. Another story my mom likes to tell is uh, me locking uh, uh, my babysitter in the basement uh, when I was like four, and taking my younger brother Leland and my younger sister for a walk while she's screaming out the basement, the little basement window. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So no, I mean I, I was respectful for the most part to uh, to my. How do I say elders or uh, people, uh, adults? You know, but authority. I, yeah, but I, I towed the line. You know, how <laughs> I, always did, had, I always had a reason to get it. I always, I always had a good excuse to get out of it, though. <laughs> did you stay out of trouble until you graduated? Then, um, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't get I mean, a clean record through and through. I don't even think they ended up charging me with the pot plants. When I went in to get interviewed, I. Uh, there was like three of them on the, the windowsill, the, the detective's um, office, you know. Why do you think they came in so hard on you and then uh, just let go so easy? I think they were making a statement. I was a well-known person in, uh, like in high school and stuff. We had a Council Rock. It was a huge school. I, mean, it was, I think I graduated with over a thousand students. So it was like a new story? and Oh, yeah. Paper. No, people knew about it before. Like, like They hit my house at... They could, I mean, it was a soft hit, but uh, <laughs> at like six o'clock in the morning, and I was already getting like uh, phone call, like kind of phone calls from my my parents' landline, you know, like asking me if I'm all right and stuff. Stuff traveled quick there. I mean, it's, I don't even, I want to say even quicker than it does in, in Fairbanks. <laughs> people, people talk a lot. <laughs> when did you want to go into the Marines? As soon as I realized I didn't like writing. In Bucks County, Pennsylvania, you're really everybody's conditioned to go to college. Yeah, um, I grew up are, in York County. Yeah, so Penn State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They announced football scores, Penn State football scores during our games. 
Really? Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where um, that's yeah. I grew up in that same kind what, of what uh, which school district? Southeastern school district. It's like an hour north of Baltimore. We're like maybe oh, oh, yeah, three hours shit. west of you guys of uh, Philly. Yeah, 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 I got you. I term oh like Hanover. Yep, it, we're east of Hanover. Gotcha. Damn, I, I got a concussion in Hanover football game. I uh, damn good pretzels. I had a bachelor party in Hanover one nice. time. <laughs> Connections. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did uh, you get a concussion that night? Um, <laughs> no, no. I think if uh, my body is well now, ex-wife found out about it. She probably would have given me a concussion. Fair enough. That, that we had a sit-down uh, safety brief. Prior to going out, before before she let uh, uh, let us uh, let us go, so makes sense. And there's strippers, no drugs or alcohol. Sit around, we use the devil. Um, <laughs> we did everything against what she told us to do. Oh, if, she, was, if she would have just not said anything, we probably just would have went to Baskin Robbins and maybe like. Oh, it was a check off list of what to do. Oh yeah. Oh, that was it. Was definitely. Uh, I bet you won't. You know, uh, <laughs> I bet you can't get my fiance to do this if I'm marrying in a week. Uh, <laughs> we did. Well, Scranton. It was, it was in Scranton, actually. Scranton has the yes. most, the most strip clubs like in a single area. My truckers or something going through there. Or what's up with that? I have no idea. It was the weirdest thing for me. You know, it's like, why would you put Vegas there? You know, it's like right in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know, like. At least Atlantic City has the shore points, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. Are you looking to list or searching for your perfect property? Well, contact Matt Wade at Century 21 Gold Rush, community member for over 20 years, helping you through the real estate buying and selling process. Matt Wade, C21 at gmail.com. M A T W A D E C21 at gmail.com. 907-978-0127 Helping you through the process Matt Wade, Century 21 Gold Rush Was it in a class? You were, you were sitting in a class writing or were you writing a paper and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore <sighs> It wasn't a priority to me Not that it School? Yeah, no, I mean I I was a varsity uh, basketball volley- uh, volleyball player, JV volleyball, two letters for uh, basketball. Still have a school record in basketball. I have the uh, most charges taken in a game and most in a season. So nice. I couldn't shoot. You are wild. I would hustle. I'd hustle and I'd throw my body out in there. You know? <laughs> And did that just keep on happening throughout life? You hustle and throw your body on Yeah. No, I, I actually, I, I, I was a starter when I first got on the team, and then I really got into Taekwondo, and I really started, I started traveling up the East Coast doing tournaments. At, um, what, at 16? Yeah, no, I was probably 15, 15 or 16. When I, when I really got serious into it, uh, junior year of high school, and then my, my coach really didn't, my basketball coach didn't like that. I, I skipped a... Uh, it was like a weekend training camp with Jay Wright. Uh, yeah, I had a big tournament on uh, in Connecticut. It was a international taekwondo continuous sparring competition tournament. I ended up winning it. I, I actually never I've never lost a fight with uh, referees outside of the Marine Corps. <laughs> um, but uh, 
So yeah, that's what I was doing as a, as a high school student. So just all that activity just pushed you wanting to go. It's still you still oh, want yeah, going no, to the Marines. I'm, I'm right? like serious. I'm I'm like a serious. I don't. I want to be challenged. I mean, if you say that it's impossible or it's uh, nobody else has ever done this, I'm gonna do it until I either die or accomplish it. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about a couple minutes ago. You had a checklist of what you're not allowed to do. Yeah. Here's the impossible. You're not allowed to do this, Pearson. Yeah. What? There is no way Carl is going to do this with you. It's like the hold my beer moment, you know? Yeah. As long as it isn't going to hurt anybody else. And that's the thing. It's a bachelor's party is, you know, it's a bachelor's party. I actually think bachelor parties should be after the divorce. You know, um, some of us may not ever get there. You know, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean, though. It's like you're you're committing to this. This is your choice. You've decided to settle down, and uh, yeah, no reason to go. F- yeah, what are you gonna go sleep? Yeah, you're gonna go sleep with somebody at, at three weeks prior to you getting married. But like, this is um young. This is wise Pearson talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. compared to yeah, no, I uh, young Pearson. Yeah. Hey, Good Doers of Alaska, Tom here with Good Cannabis. Just wanted to give you a quick update for the week of March 24th through the 31st. Sunday, all Good Cannabis 1 gram king rolls will be $12. Monday, all Good Cannabis gummies, 50 milligrams infused THC, two strains, 707 headband and Durban poison in three flavors, grape, grapefruit, and tart cherry. Tuesday, 30% off all Good Concentrates, that's Wax Shatter, Batter and Crumble, Wednesday, $27, all 2-gram good cannabis flour. Thursday, $150, all good cannabis half ounces. Friday, $45, all good cannabis eighths. Saturday, $12, 1-gram good cannabis king rolls. And also Sunday, $12, 1-gram good cannabis king rolls. We also want to let everybody know that the GG number 4 is back at 24.6% THC and 3.2% Terps. It's great. So come down and say hi and have a great week, Alaska. And Far North Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steez Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. When do you decide to join the Marines? What happens? Uh, so, in Philadelphia, we're really 9/11? close to... 9-11? Yeah, we're really oh, close shit. to 9-11. Uh, we're really close to New York. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a 45-minute drive, 45-minute flight. I still remember uh, one of my best friends, Amy Slutsky, her mom worked in the, in the towers, and she just so happened to be in uh, Chicago. I remember... I was I was I snuck out my high school to smoke a cigarette and her dad picked her up and she was walking out as I was walking in. <laughs> and, and uh, to tell um, her that World Trade Center just Oh yeah, no, we we uh, I was in 
11th grade electronics course, uh, Mr. Clark's class at Council Rock North in Newtown, Pennsylvania. And it happened, and Mr. Clark was like, ah, it's been lines, it's been lines. And at that point, I had no idea. And terrorism? Like, that's actually a thing. People would actually blow themselves up. But yeah. So, I, um, it, it solidified what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I always, I grew up wanting to be a five-star general, stuff like that, you know? Just be the best. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that, that was it, and that's why I joined the Marine Corps. I didn't even know there was other jobs in the Marine Corps other than combat infantry. Like, I wouldn't know necessarily that either. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the Marine Corps is actually one of the most uh, diverse departments of defense departments and out of the rest of them. The Marine Corps is self-sustaining. It's the only uh, department that the president can literally send us in without the okay of uh, Senate for 30 days. Only the Marines. Only the Marine Corps. I, I, I didn't well, know. And, that was... and, and, and SF, but you can't. I mean, like the JSOC, SOCOM stuff. That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> I don't know. You're... So it's a seal, the SEAL... Yeah, I knew he could send military, but I yeah. didn't know that it was... Yeah, specific, specifically a conventional force. The only conventional force that the, that the president can send in. Without Congress. Yeah, without yes. Congress. He's got 30 days to do whatever the hell he wants to, and man, I shouldn't be telling him this right now, because you know, I'm sure he's going to be listening. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, with you on it, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just wanted a challenge again. I wanted more challenge. Uh, that was in 11th grade. You're, uh, so September 11th, you're, you start in 11th grade. And yeah. you wanted to join the Marines, so you had two more years going through school. And yeah, yeah. I, I ended up joining the Marine Corps before I turned 18, before I got out of college, uh, high school. Because they do a uh, delayed entry program, which the recruiters help train you in order to be... Uh, better prepared for boot camp. A Marine Corps boot camp is by far, hands down, the toughest military basic training in, in the country. So I was on Paris Island. What not, says that? Why do you say that? Just because you know a fact or how? Oh, oh yeah, makes no fact. Okay, so the Marine Corps boot camp is three or four weeks longer than any other branch. I think the Army is nine weeks. The Marine Corps is 13 weeks. We didn't have stress cards. I think they have stress cards now. So like, and that was picked up by the Air Force and the Army for a while. What's the stress? I never heard of. Hey, you pull this card out and said, "I'm stressed out," and you get a timeout. <laughs> it's part of the reason why I left the Marine Corps. In um, like it just only in basic training, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but there was a lot of stuff going on. I mean, this is jump right again. But yes, okay. So the Marine Corps basic training. It's wildly different than, than everybody else's uh, stuff. I mean, it's literally either breaking you down and building you back up, screaming. At, there is no love whatsoever except for these, like, once in a blue moon, your senior drill instructor comes in, sits you down, and and asks you a question like you're, you're the 60 of you are actually human beings, you know? <laughs> as soon as he stands up, five minutes later, you're back in the van piece of shit, you know, you are not worthy of this world, um, and that's what they tell you, they tell you that uh, you're nothing if you can't work as a team element, a unit. That had to be hard, because you seem to be more alpha-ish. Oh, absolutely, but so, I, I, pick and, I pick and choose my battles, so. <laughs> and, and you're on a good team, then. 
right? Oh, so oh, yeah. No, you know, I mean, if you're doing you, your job, they, they instill this. You are so entrusting in your instructors, your your drill instructors. They are gods to you. Dude, you're doing some dangerous shit, right? So you're sitting there thinking they're not going to let me die. Yeah, they're, I mean, or I mean, it's literally the mission of a Marine Corps rifleman is to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver and repel the enemy's assault by fire and close combat. And that's, we had our weapons on us at all times. Like, we had M16s on us within, within our armed systems at all times past phase one boot camp, all the way up till through, uh, through infantry school. Every Marine's a rifleman. The, it doesn't matter if you're a company, if you're a clerk or you're going to school to, you're going uh, into the Marine Corps to be Motor T. You still go to one of our infantry schools and get a, a basic knowledge of combat. And, and, that, and that's what it is. Every Marine has to shoot at the 200, 300, and 500 yard line on the, on the uh, rifle range. When I went through, it was no scopes. It was literally just putting this little a little post in the middle of the circle and hoping you hit this one foot target at 500 yards. So when I realized I'm much better at directing people than directing my my bullets. You know, I learned really quick that I need to I need to really uh, know uh, know the the job above me because I'm much better at uh, delegating uh, what to do than than, uh, than actually doing it. Plus, I'm lazy as hell. Staying <laughs> being able to stay calm in conflict. Oh yeah, no, I, I am very good at that. Maybe it's because I, I am the oldest child. I'm always. I guess I, I've always been told I'm too serious for uh, for the situation stuff like that. And it's not that I'm always on guard, but. I'm always looking out for whoever I'm with, you know. It's like, uh, like last night I was I was DD for a couple people last night. You know, I I love I love having a few having a few drinks, but I'd rather make sure my, my friends get home safely than than uh, you know get drunk or something. It's, I uh, <clears throat> yeah. So that's a personality trait of mine. I guess. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD available in the market today. They carry a wide range of CBD, oils, tinctures, capsules, edibles, lotion, bath bombs, vape pens, pet tincture, and isolate. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoking Deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Nature's Relief, Grass Station 49, Airport Way, Wishful Things, and Chena Hot Springs locations, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs in Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, Alaskan Blooms in Fairbanks, Green Hearted Goodness in Healy, AK Relief, and Frontier CBDs both in Anchorage and Alaskan Doll Works. Check them out at www.thenorthbowlrefinery.com. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. Did cannabis stop during that time, during the military? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was a that was an easy out right there. My buddy Renault, a, a guy in my platoon, he lent his car out to another gentleman, another Marine. The Marine he loaned his car out to got searched, come back on base, and got caught with a gram of weed. Right, probably some 
dog shit. You know? <laughs> and uh, both of them got kicked out. Ronaldo was kicked out within 25 days. And he just let the dude borrow his car. No idea that uh, he was he was bringing back drugs or anything like that, you know? No, he had nothing in his system. BCD, bad conduct discharge right there. Bad chicken dinner for him. And it's just like, it, it's hard to get so your upgrade. So you trusted someone that fucked up. That's what, yeah, that's what happened. And he got he got screwed for it. I mean, he, I was trying to work with him on uh, getting an upgrade. I, I hope he's gotten it so far. I, I hope he's gotten it. Uh, I'm still trying to work with guys to get their, their citizenship. Like combat veterans that weren't citizens when they came in, went to combat, fought for the country, and uh, were honorably discharged that still have to pay it extraordinary amounts of money in order to be able to say that you're uh, you're nationalized you know that's that really pisses me off so yeah I joined the Marine Corps boot camp was cool uh, when you saw that guy get busted with a weed so you stopped like I was asking you did when did you stop oh yeah, smoking no, no. cannabis oh shit I, I, I wasn't I wasn't I was just Smoking weed in high school just to smoke weed. So it wasn't it wasn't a, a thing. No, it? no, no. It wasn't a. It wasn't. A, did you Did you drink? I did all types of shit, man. I, okay. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I I experimented. So it wasn't before. your thing. No. It was easy to give up when you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It, I wasn't relying on cannabis for any type of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just literally. I'm sure there were times in high school or something where I was like, man, I really wish I had a bowl or or joint or something, but. It didn't help me progress. It, I mean, the only time I really liked smoking was like before basketball games, because hmm. <laughs> I kind of like just drifted out. You know, I could just go from instinction. You know, like it was just like, all right, I'm just like spacey, and now I'm just gonna do what I know by instinct. I'm gonna go off instinct. Yeah. I guess uh, the martial arts really helped with that because I, mean, I was. Once I got into high school, I absolutely just turned to, to the martial arts. I, mean, I, uh, I did the whole Taekwondo thing and moved over to Han Hop Do, which is a mixture of the arts. My buddy, my friend, instructor, and pretty much tournament partner, we would just go around, just me and him, and just slay. Uh, like, like these people would bring like their entire schools, like 60, 70 uh, students deep, and we just grab the the highest uh, the highest bracket of stuff and just destroy these people. So it was like uh, they they really didn't like us. I was, I was surprised that they called me and John back uh, each year, but I think the you know the closest I came to to losing a. A sparring match was excessive force. Uh, I was cocking back a little too much on a, on a Puerto Rican guy. They had a, they had a whole school from uh, San Juan come up and uh, into Connecticut, you know. <laughs> and uh, I still remember, dude just started screaming and running at me and flailing his fists, and I was just like, <laughs> I just like wound up. Just <laughs> 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 Cannabis is not part of your no. ending, ending high school life. You, right. get in, you get into military, yep. and okay, you have so that let's... one incident where your your buddy gets kicked uh, out. Yeah, so this is the end. This is like I was already out of the, I was already out of the battalion. I was uh, never saw cannabis again during the whole time. 
Uh, I mean, we, we saw it in, in theater in, like, Iraq. That and Valium. The Iraqi army would try to sell us Valium a lot. A couple other things. I mean, beer, like, alcohol was completely outlawed in, in Muslim countries. But you get, like, hash? Or- yeah, no. You can get anything you want. You can get beer if you wanted yeah. to. Uh, but, I mean, mostly people were getting shipped in and sent into it, to them, you know. <laughs> But no, I mean, we were in a Ford office. So my first deployment to Iraq after all my training, I, uh, I was a, a squad automatic weapons guy. I was a 249 gunner. I was a, it's a fully automatic, belt-fed weapon. Trained on it for months. One guy that could beat me in the disassembly and reassembly time. And I get halfway across the ocean on, a, on a, the USS Austin on a... a Marine uh, Expeditionary Unit Special Operations Capable. And they're like, oh, hey, uh, Crosby, guess what? You're, you're a team leader now. And they're like, oh, hey, uh, Crosby, guess what? You're, you're a team leader now. You got three guys underneath you. And you're taking control of Doc, too, because you're second team leader. I'm like, well, I never even shot at M203, which is a 40-millimeter grenade launcher. You know, so it's an M6. It's, it's like the, you know, uh, Scarface, where he's like, yeah. say a little bit, you know. He, he blasts off the 40 mic mic, H-E-D-P. Um, so, yeah, I'm halfway across the Atlantic, and I'm like, hey, guess what? You were a saw gunner, and now you're a team leader. Now you have... Three Marines' lives underneath you, uh, that you're in charge of, and a corpsman. Oh, and still, if anybody fucks up that's, uh, that's junior, we're still going to dummy court them to you. Which literally means they would tie 550 court around me and the Marine, and I had to be in charge of them. Yeah. Why? What's going on? We could, uh, well, so, so like, let's, say, let's say you're late for, for formation or... You don't shave. You just write something. Yeah, you're just... You're, just a minor, yeah. even minor thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, for that, it takes some... Uh, you, you need to be a little bit repetitive, you know? Um, something messed up. Like, you, you messed... You, you done fucked up a couple times, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, I... Um, and they tie you to someone? Literally, like, string. Like, I mean, 500... It's, uh, so, 550 cord is 550-pound test. It's a uh, paracord kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, they would literally... T- Dummy cord you to the guy that's screwing up. You're in charge of him. What he does, you do, you know? And fuck, man. It was hard doing that at 19, 18, 19 years old. <laughs> you know? I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not old enough to drink yet. I have three people's lives under me now. Did you feel that going across the ocean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like... We were literally like right in the middle of the Atlantic, and we you were felt sh- that question though. You felt that idea that oh shit now. Oh I'm yeah, here. no, no. I completely thought I was I was, was really good at faking it. I mean, that's really what I big imposter feeling came over. Absolutely, I mean, every day I feel that. <laughs> you know, I still feel it, and that's I think is a good reason for why. Uh, I'm able to accomplish stuff. You're proving it to yourself. Well, I mean, it, it, I, I worry about things that I don't have to worry about, so I don't have to worry about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, if you are really worried about the small things, they won't escalate into big things. 
you know. And as I'm sure this comes in later, cannabis helps with that shit, doesn't it? Yeah, no. Uh, so we're get, we're really close to that right no, now. No, so take your time with it. So first combat deployment to uh, Al Anbar. We get off the boats in Kuwait. We uh, we're amphibious assault battalion or company. So we literally are in these big metal containers, like vehicles, and they just drove as fast as they could off the back of the ship and just splash, we could call it splashing. We're in these big aluminum cans, going seven knots into the, to shore. You know, they're assault vehicles that, uh, that floated and they're half boat, I guess. They don't look like boats, so they look like tanks, only they somehow float. Um, yeah, just training. Like, if one breaks down, you have to swim to the next one. <laughs> like, with all your gear. Middle of the ocean. Yeah. You're six miles out in the ocean right now with 150 pounds of, of gear. And there's 16 people in a, in, with room for 10 total with gear in each vehicle. Yeah. I remember, I remember sitting in a track. One rein on this leg, one rein on this leg, one thrown across me, and uh, for seven hours to get to our objective. It was wild. Um, but uh, like directly after that uh, workup, the Marine Corps deemed, or the military deemed it unacceptable to have any more than a squad and a track. So we were the last ones that were lucky enough to to deal with. Double <laughs> the, uh, the. They were just getting more men out there. Is that what yeah, no, we just didn't have the. And it's the Marine. It's the Marine Corps, man. We it's don't have the, the funding for it. You know, I mean, we were literally using army hand-me-downs. I had to. My second plan <laughs> when I was a squad leader, I had to get my squad to steal explosives from the army. We didn't have any frag grenades. We didn't. We didn't have any fragmentation grenades. We didn't have any HDP, uh, 40 millimeters, no C4, no debt cord. Like, we were a single platoon in hit Iraq, uh, Baghdadi, Iraq, which was the first big takeover was ISIS in Iraq, in Al-Ambar. Their, their staging point, a few years after we left, like, we did, we turned that entire uh, village city around to where it was like safe like and we lost our turp a couple times he was, old, he was an older gentleman and we were chasing some we chasing people and he moseyed on up to the, to the combat outpost you know which a couple months prior to us getting there they were getting IEDs set up like right on like the the northern uh exit something like so they were literally skirting like the insurgents were skirting the walls and just placing artillery shells on radio uh, detonated explosives, you know, like, like pressure plates were going real big then. It was wild times. Um, a lot of things were going. It was different kind of combat that was coming about. Oh yeah, no, just in we city warfare, right? I mean, I'm I'm the historian side, so I I was not in there, and I don't even claim to know anything. Oh no, but just that idea of your. The house to house. Yeah, oh yeah. And no, it's I. Not a... Oh shit. Yeah. So, so my first deployment when I became a team leader, we were in Hit, Iraq, in Al Anbar Province, right, right on the Euphrates, uh, Fab Five, on the other side. We were the only company in the battalion that was on the other side of the river. 
uh, luckily the the insurgency was very they were terrified of Marines like, to the point where they found out we were leaving in two weeks they came out with radio for like a day straight saying save your ammunition the army is coming the Marines are pulling out the army is coming and they lit them up the first day <coughs> we were gone too yeah Back up in your ass with the resurrection Is the group harder than an erection that shows no affection They want to ban us on Capitol Hill Cause it's die motherfuckers, die motherfuckers So yeah, uh, me, at, me at 19, <laughs> we get off, the, get off the ship, get in the Kuwait I'm a team leader, we do a couple operations My lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Ankrum says to my squad leader Sir Watson, you're up on patrol We'll send Crosby. Crosby's 19 years old, never led a combat patrol in his life. We're on mobile ECP, which we were driving vehicles around the desert, just looking for uh, strategic placements prior to uh, searching and movement to contact in small villages along the Euphrates. What was the first thing you said about what the Marine uh, script is, or what was the Marine? Oh, uh, the mission. The mi- uh, to locate clothes with and destroy. There you go. So that was maneuver. the first one. You guys were on locate, right? Oh, yeah. So we were literally on movement to contact, or if you find explosives, stop, we'll blow them up, and then we keep going. I think uh, Operation Cocaine was 85 to 115 kilometers that we walked over like a week. And we literally just walked in line five meters apart. For days until someone shot at us, or we or uh, we hit a artillery cache. <laughs> That's what we did. Um, That's your first mission. That was, I mean, that was my uh, as leader. Oh yeah. Oh, so we bed down, and we always had to have these uh, constant security patrols. You know, and my first combat patrol was my team. I'm uh, walking around, and I'm like, oh, well, it's. There's a big bush right there, you know. I felt like nighttime. Uh, was this it nighttime? No, it was during the day. It was oh. in the morning. It was before while everybody was getting uh, getting ready to geared up to go. Uh, what do you know? Uh, burlap sack, uh, forty six anti personnel mines, a full mortar system, uh, mortar rounds uh, that were all ready to go. So we had been having patrols throughout the night. The, the day prior when we when we set up because uh, we needed to have recon snipers go out prior to us uh, um, pushing on which is always a necessity I mean, it's always good to have somebody on a elevated platform to shoot somebody before they shoot you <laughs> um, so yeah nobody saw it well, Lance Corporal Crosby tells his, uh, his guys to go check behind a bush <laughs> and they find these mines and I personal lines, which weren't there prior. They were literally there to uh, be in place to kill service members, you know, uh, Americans. So I got that. I'll show you a video of, uh, of, of us blowing it up also. Uh, it's, on, it's actually on YouTube. Um, that mission was the first time I ever got into a firefight. First time I ever had to touch a dead body. We actually had to blow a guy in place. He was a suicide bomber. My uh, Marine Patton uh, ran up on him just with like, I hit him in the face a couple times already with some rounds, but he was still kind of alive. He was going, going to hit his uh, trigger to, to, to blow the vest up. 
Pat and finished them off. But yeah, this is like it was like Forrest Gump, like it was like it just it was just raining and raining, and we're like in these muddy like fields of some type some type of vegetable that they were growing, and it was terrible. And then all of a sudden, the sun came out. Um, yeah, so all of a sudden we get contact. First time, the entire time we were in contact, we were there. You know, first combat action that we we dealt with was like like three days of just walking through rainy, sloppy fields, and it happened to be my squad leader, uh, squad leader that, that trained me up. Who yeah, they got a lot, a little bit of trouble. They, I don't know, they beat somebody up. Super, I guess it was Super Bowl Sunday. We we're uh, getting to go across the get getting to go across the bridge to go to church and watch the Super Bowl in 2005. Or I guess it was 2006, then because it was February. Yeah, but so, a chance to go back. So and my sit squad leader, watch a game. Like my the guy I was like, is it, I mean, I looked up to all of my senior guys, uh, the guys that were put in a leadership position, but especially Sergeant Watson, Corporal Pluff. Uh, Johnny Brook. I mean, these are the guys that really molded me into being who, 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 the Marine that I was. I think Sergeant Watson was the only one that, besides Roderick, or uh, Rorig, they're the only people in the battalion that could that could come close to beating me in a, in a hand-to-hand fight. I mean, me and Watson agreed that we it, it was always a stalemate. Double knockout? Yeah. No, okay. was, but uh, Rorig, Rorig always messed me up pretty bad. Um, but don't tell anybody that. No, I'm <laughs> just joking. So, yeah, no, I, uh, I, um, that was my first experience with combat. It was, what is it? Forest Gump. You just, the, it stopped raining and then you started getting attacked. But what happened was, was Watson walked into a house because we were clearing everything. And it was like a uh, chicken coop, right? So it was like a long building like that with like living quarters right here. Walked in, then walked into the chicken coops with pillars. Seven guys with automatic weapons lined up firing his way. And somehow he got behind a pillar and started lobbing hand grenades at them. And they ran out the back to 200 Marines. We literally just stood there and just... Picked them off. <laughs> it was literally just like, like these guys are running in full like uh, Arab garb with sandals. Average been raining for five days through an open field. Um, so yeah, I, me, uh, me, Lusher and Santiago Yago got to search all the dead bodies after we uh, blew one of them in place. Just Threw a stick of C4 on his vest and uh, let it go. I'll send you that video. That's on YouTube also. Um, but so that was my experience. My first experience with combat. Second deployment, I was a squad leader. How'd you come back after that? You, you come back and you're <gasps> oh, everything's yeah. fine. Oh, or you're just well, like, yeah. No, I, I was. You're ready to go again. I had, that's what we were there preparing me to. I actually got back and I got married. From the first, I mean the first um, combat. After after the first. Combat tour, I came back, got married at 20, uh, Dana was 19, 
just just some girl from from yeah, high school. Yeah, from um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I mean, it's just weird. I mean, it's not weird, but I still talk. I talked to her today. Actually, <laughs> she asked me how I was doing today on Facebook, but uh, we still stay in contact. I mean, it's no bad blubber young didn't work out, and. When then, know, and I, then you're in war. Yeah, no, and I know what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I don't have to live in the barracks. They pay me an extra $1,749 a month for this. Like, fucking right, you know? But, yeah, it is... Yeah. Dealing with the, a family in the military is absolutely... It, it's tough. It is, well, I mean, you go all the way back to, what, Valentine. When the Romans weren't al- the you know, Augustus yeah. not allowing people to yeah, get married, no, they they weren't even before World War Two. They weren't allowed to. Uh, you had to request permission to get married, mm. which makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, it's like in the barracks, you're guaranteed food, shelter, cleanliness. You're accessible. You're not going to be late. Like, yeah, you might be late for formation because you're a douchebag, but you know there's 50 other people kicking you before they go out to, to, for, to stand in formation, you know? You... Well, you're worried about what's going on at home. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got, we got one five-minute phone call on Christmas, uh, my first tour. How long? Uh, so we were in, we were in uh, combat for four months. The Marines only going for about seven. So a regular Marine uh, line company or battalion, infantry battalion will go on for seven months. Whereas uh, the Army, which is an occupational force, so we're, we're a, an offensive force. We're, we're literally there to just kill everybody and get out. You know, like we are there to wipe out the enemy and the Army comes in for a year, year and a half. And has to deal with like the cleanup, you know, which would be terrible. I mean, was, that's that was the role of the Marine Corps at that point in the, the war. We really, I mean, there was no winning hearts and minds at that point. You know, uh, ROEs for my first and second deployment was if uh, there. So if you're, you see rules so, of engagement. Right? Yeah, the rules of engagement. Seven to seventy-seven male, the military age male. If you were able to carry, pick up a weapon and art- and, and be able to uh, uh, be strong enough to make it work, you can be considered an uh, enemy combatant. When you said you could be considered, yeah. So always- if uh, so, if your your hands up like this, Fair like enough. you're not an enemy combatant. But if your hands are in your pocket, I could get away with killing you. You know, I mean, I could just justify it. You know, I didn't see his hands. Uh, we drove past. Uh, it was a dark alley. We saw somebody crouch down. We killed him for the safety of our, our of my troops. I mm-hmm. ordered them to uh, fire upon the, the individual. I am proud to say that I, I don't either. I have no guilty conscience of where I, I, it wasn't a good shoot that I that I ordered. You know, hey, it's back to me not. Not being a very good shot, so I just tell people to go with the river. You know, my my squad was my weapon. But the ghetto, taking short steps one foot at a time and kept my head low and never let go. Cause if I let go, then I'd be spineless. I'm going insane. I'm my mind, yes, goes out of control and touch on subjects, motherfucker. 
So my second appointment was and I uh, led over five hundred combat combat patrols. So it's twenty one. Five hundred one actually. And how long of a time? Uh, we were there seven months, uh, but we moved around a lot. So it was just. Can you explain that? Like when you say five hundred in seven months, you're doing okay. multiples a day, then, right? And so what, yeah. Uh, so we did. What three classifies to five, three as to a five, three to five outside the wire? So we were in Baghdadi, Iraq, in Al Anbar province. It's a small village, kind of, but it was. It was a strategic location along the Euphrates. There was only one bridge and pretty much one. There was the uh, military housing complex that was a couple clicks up, so five miles, six miles. Uh, that was completely controlled by by us and the Iraqi, the Iraqi army and the Iraqi uh, police. Then we had civilian-only bridge. It was the only civilian bridge in, like, 50 miles. You know, you had to drive all the way down to Ramadi to, to get a, to get across if you're uh, if you're a civilian. It was it, it was a it's a big point. It was a big choke point for both uh, black market oil and anybody trying to get stuff across the, the Euphrates because we had we had checkpoints there. After a little while, like we started putting up these things called crow's nests, which are it's pretty much woodsheds made out of metal, you know, and, uh, and bulletproof glass, or bullet-resistant glass. But yeah, we, we got hit pretty hard a uh, couple months into that. We had a uh, vehicle-borne suicide IED. Uh, so they loaded up a bongo truck, like a box truck, with uh, explosive excel- and accelerants, and they ran our gate. They killed, a single guy killed... Five or six Iraqi soldiers, there's Iraqi uh, police, you know, there's multiple Marines that got Purple Hearts that day, uh, and there was only 50 of us in the in the base, I mean, like, more than 10 got Purple Hearts. And I, was, I still haven't watched Office Space fully since then. I literally, I mean, I was sitting there with my buddy Carrie and second squad, uh, I, was, I was first squad leader, and I had really... Uh, fraternization is a really big thing for me, like extremely. Like I don't, as long as I've been in the marijuana industry, I don't mess around with in a sexual manner with anyone that's associated with my profession. There's just too much risk involved, <laughs> and especially like I'm not going to go out with a bunch of my Marines that they're literally relying on me to save their lives or give them and give them. Orders that they might not necessarily want to do, like, hey, go flank the the three machine gun positions that uh, that are trying to kill us right now. Like, nah, people, everybody doesn't want to do that, you know. No matter how how trained you are, and if I was getting drug out of the bars with them carrying me and just being uh, drinking bros, you know, they I don't think they w- would react as well as they as my Marines did. I was very very proud of my Marines, and I brought them all back safe. So, that's something to say. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, so where does your damage come from? Um, just seeing it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember. Uh, he'll probably kill me for saying this. Not really kill me, but uh, I've told him this before too. The time that that uh, my squad leader. Got hit during that 
during that uh, that sweep, and I had to search the bodies. You know, um, my 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 other my new squad leader because everybody got rotated was literally picking up these guys' bodies and just dropping them. Like literally just picking up their lifeless bodies and just dropping them and giggling about it. You know? So it kind of fucked me up. <laughs> you know? Um, he was uh, uh, born and raised uh, in the lower echelon of uh, society in, in Detroit. We had completely different upbringings, you know. Like uh, that wasn't that wasn't fun for me to see. So uh, it was you seeing um, what we did. Young troops. Oh no! So these were these were enemy. Um, no right, but um, the way doing, the yeah, way he was treating my my senior. There's a guy that was directly in charge of me, and it was just like there's a lot of stuff that went on that like killing dog. Like we had to kill dogs. Like, any dog we saw, we had to shoot, light them on fire. Why? Because uh, they're, uh, they were, they were like big rats. I mean, but at the same time, they were dogs. They still yelped and cried until they died, and their friends would come around and try to get them up and be yelping, and that was the thing that messed me up the worst. Was uh, I mean, I, I, I had to sh- I shot two dogs, and it, they were I mean. I, I it was completely justified. I had there's I had my point man, uh, quaddle bomb turned a corner, and I was out a little bit more on a on a patrol, and I just saw this this dog just like hunched down, ready to hit him, and I caught that dog right in the head as he was as he was uh, making his move to jump on him. Um, but just like a wild dog. Yeah, they're they're just packs of wild dogs like. And the hyenas out on the... <laughs> I mean, heard, I mean, never heard of that. Oh, what, uh, packs of wild dogs? Yeah, that were just that you guys were dealing with. Them. Oh, yeah. No, no, we... Dogs are looked at in those parts of Iraq as rats or um, just not... They're not, you know, pets, <laughs> you know? Some people were like... The people with, like, the big, nice gates around their house, the big cement walls around their house, they might have, like, a purebred dog. You know, that's completely different, you know. Um, it might as well be a, a tiger here, you know. Like, yeah. it's, like, that, that rare. Yeah, the dog thing really fucks me up. Uh, I think the only thing that I... The only, the only animals I've killed past the Marine Corps... Um... Birds and fish. I've actually been up here for almost four years and never went hunting. <laughs> but again, I'm lazy, and I'd much rather my friend go out and stuff his uh, freezer. And you know what? Yeah, I guess I do have room for for your meat. You know, I don't want to lazy go. word you keep throwing at yourself. I don't know. I just no. conditioning myself. Conditioning myself. Believing it, you know, hmm. <laughs> just push yourself further, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Combat was crazy. It was wild, but the I was good at it. I mean, I I picked up rank faster than any marine I've ever met in my life, ever. And I know a lot of marines. 
Yeah, you might get you might get the few that'll pick uh, that that might have picked up around the same time as me that are like in a really small job bracket and like they're like discontinuing it or something like that. But I, I haven't heard anybody within one enlistment make it to a, st- a staff non commissioned officer. Why do you go so fast? Just as make much combat as you do? Because I made sure that I knew everything. Like my my business partner in San Diego right now, uh, Aaron Pluff, uh, his call sign was Pluff Daddy, uh, and it was well deserved because he was like he was the dude, he was the guy that you went to and he sat you down and explained shit to you. He was there to you know, mentor you, and he has. He, I mean, he mentored me all day up to literally today. I mean, I talk to him almost every day now. We're, we're just about to launch another company. He got pushed over to a training battalion after he was a short time before he was getting out, so he didn't have enough time to uh, deploy with us again for a third deployment. And our battalion commander apparently asked him what their most valuable, his most valuable asset was in the battalion. And old boy stood up and said, Crosby. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located downtown Fairbanks provides families, people, and pets with a wide variety of products from Mother Nature. We carry brands like Renew, Green Roads, Creating Better Days, CBD Plus Oil, and Select. Aurora Apothecary, 2nd Avenue, Fairbanks, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., 456 Hemp. That's 456-4367. Aurora Apothecary, your CBD superstore for pets and people. Have a wonderful day. China Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit, gonna love this place convenient access right off the highway special in-house strains fine flower strains chocolate sourdough blue kush big smooth purple og kush fruity pebbles mm. concentrates by good cannabis good titrations edibles by ak frost and the good cannabis gummies head on over to china cannabis Check out the full menu on Leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. So yeah, no, I, I, shit, it didn't matter. I I was up a half hour earlier than everybody else. I because I didn't want to get fucked with. Like literally like if you messed up like we first got to the the, the infantry kind of infantry battalion we're just like 
we're lined up. Like, oh, fucking thank God. We're not in boot camp anymore. We're out of school of infantry. Like, we're Marines now, you know? And, uh, no, that was not even the beginning of the, the fucked up shit that we had to go through. Like, I was standing there at attention. We all were. Just, we just graduated. And we're just watching guys, firemen's carry another Marine, like, back and forth. While there, it's like a stadium of senior Marines screaming and yelling and throwing like beer bottles at them, and like oh, it, was, it was so wild. And Pluff was like, uh, "You three, he picked us out. He handpicked us out of out of uh, the thirteen guys that were going to the battalion to go into the to uh, Bravo Company. Meet Cole and Callahan, and." Uh, He's like, get the hell out of here. We don't need another hazing charge. Like, Gunny's real pissed. Blah, blah. If you see Kid or, or uh, Loose out in town, you let me know. We ended up meeting Kid and Loose. Kid was frequently dummy courted to me. Kid, yes. Uh, him and Love. Uh, Shelby Love is a sweetheart. I love him. I should actually reach out to him because I gave him so much hell, but... He survived, and he did well after uh, after he was able to attain some uh, some responsibility. Yeah, it was wild. Modern making. Jeez, I don't, don't want to get into. It. I can go for days on that one. So, yeah, two combat deployments, 500, 500 patrols, uh, foot patrols with a, a platoon-sized combat outpost. We were really close to training the Iraqi police, Iraqi soldiers. Uh, when I got out, so I got selected for the, the Marine Corps Special Operations Command. It was a new new unit. We're the, the latest addition to SOCOM, uh, JSOC now. It was kind of like an all-encompassing spe- special forces where like, we did like MSOAG, the Marine Special Operations Advisory Group. We are specific uh, job was to train foreign entities, <laughs> um, uh, not necessarily unconventional warfare. I think uh, uh, the Green Berets still hold the title for the only trained non-conventional warfare unit in the U.S., which is pretty much you could send thirteen a, a team into a small country; they'll train the militias up and overthrow the country. You know. That's, that was the specific uh, mission of deep reconnaissance and uh, really infiltrating uh, the ins and outs of the country. It's, it's what you think the CIA does, which they do. They just do it with one person just pulling strings, you know. One person can do, one person or a small group, a small team of people, well, well-trained people, can do more than 100,000 soldiers. You know, and... All it takes is one informant to tell you where Hitler is on the right day and a well-placed uh, artillery shell, and the war would have been over, you know? Uh, similar to Operation Just Cause with uh, Manuel Noriega. We just, like, head that, headed that up. Just we wanted the DEA to be established, you know? <laughs> I don't want to get into my, my conspiracy theories. <laughs> part two or part five. Yeah. So I decided not to continue with the Marine Corps. I was offered 
$30,000. You decided not to when you were picked for this special group? I had 25 days left after I was selected for it. Like, I got through the assessment selection, completely done, and they're like, oh, guess what? We're not selecting you. Well, are you kidding me? Like, there's 126 of us to start, and there's like eight of us left. And you're not like, oh, 12 of us left, and five of us, you're just thrown to the wind. It was a test. They, when we got back, individually, they'd ask us if we wanted to go back to start from the beginning of the selection, which first night or the first day is two. Uh, physical fitness test that's six miles, pull-ups, crunches, and then an eight-hour car, uh, uh, bus ride to 48 B Hill, Virginia. That night, 18-mile forced march. Unknow- well, you didn't know how long it was, and you didn't know what the time limit was. In the so this is of- your decision, to go back to do all From that again. From day one. Day one out of 21. Like, I had, first night, I was... Why were they doing this? Just So it's... Uh, sl- it's Special force selection. Uh, it, it, so they're it, just seeing who can handle it. Oh, okay. yeah. No, literally, we were training for six months, and 25 guys the first night took their pack on. That's how you got it. This is how you quit the selection. You took your 55-pound pack off, put it down, took five steps back, got it to the attention, and screamed, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit, until an instructor comes and, and puts you in a vehicle. There's no way I would have ever done that. <laughs> and that's what got me through it, man. I, I I was probably one of the slowest runners. I was like 250, big. I was, I was strong, man. I, I, could, I could run for, for days. Like, I could literally... I was the uh, assistant guard chief of a small... of a service support school base outside of Campus June while I was training. And... My favorite thing to do when a new class came in was walk up and down the formation and see how many uh, bad shaves there were. And I would uh, tack on another two miles to the run. And typically I'd get to like 14, 15 miles and then like the company clerk, like the company commander's clerk would come running out telling me the, B, uh, the battalion aid station didn't have any more room for my Marines because they're, yeah. Um, so you're at that 25-day training and you, you get, they're saying you can do it, you can go oh, back yeah, and start oh, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you're well, like, fuck it. I'm well, yeah, why don't you just uh, you go back. And I ended up getting, I, I did. I, I, I told them I'd do it. They ended up sending me back. They did not send me back. Oh, it was just, it, that it was, was a fuck with you. They had psychologists running behind you the entire time. You know, like it was, how many people dropped out at that point? Uh, I think there was only one other guy that said, yeah, I'll go back. So just you two? Yeah, yes. But but there were, so there were like seven to nine guys that made it all the way through. But I mean, this, this training is like, you don't have a name. I was 035. That was who I was. I couldn't talk about any of my previous stuff. Because uh, there's every, everyone from basic infantrymen uh, but the thing that set the Marine Corps Special Operations Command apart at that point was you had to have two combat deployments and leadership positions and uh, be a non-commissioned officer. And the recruiting the recruiting was so hardcore. Whereas, like, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, graduate high school and uh, sign up. You know, make sure you can run and do push-ups. <laughs> but that, that's another way of doing it. Uh, the SEAL, like... And same thing with the marijuana industry. People don't want your 
past behaviors, uh, they want to teach you how they want you to do it. Where with the Marine Corps, you're taught to, you are expected to think on your feet. They don't want you calling in everything. You are there to make decisions because you are a leader and uh, don't, I don't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Get it done. I don't care how you get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Let me know if you do anything wrong. Seven ways from Marine Corps. I actually got into uh, civil engineering school in uh, a private school in Philadelphia, Drexel, Drexel University. After Marines? Yeah, after the Marine Corps. Yep. So you, just, you said, I'm not going back. You, you said you were going to go back. So how did it happen? How did you get out? So I had 25 days left to decide whether or not. And I was really going through some stuff with my wife. Uh, you know, I, I just hit 22 years old and she was just old enough to drink now. Um, and I remember her threatening me. I'm going to call your command if you, if you try to leave me, blah, blah, blah. Screw it. Fuck it. You can have my 130k that you're gonna fly me over to a, a combat zone so that I got a got a ta- the first 95,000 tax free. I don't want to risk the black eye if I get in trouble. People get busted down, they lose rank, stuff like that all the time. But I didn't. Like I never got in trouble. I did a lot of shit that I could have gotten in trouble for. But it was very. Uh, it was, Thought out, I guess it wasn't. Uh, I got away. I, mean, I got I got arrested in Myrtle Beach. Like first two weeks, I was in uh, the infantry. I was, I was not. I was eighteen or nineteen years old. Didn't get. I didn't get charged with underage. My command didn't find out about it. My buddies just bailed me out in the morning. Um, <laughs> so. So you get back to Drexel. You, oh yeah. Okay. I, I well, well, first of all, I mean, I guess that's that's pretty powerful in, in itself that you're willing to. I guess think you gave up a relationship not to have your your Marine Corps. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would have. Uh, I'd be a, I'd be a sergeant major right now, or a master gunnery sergeant, or a gunner. I, I always wanted to be a gunner because a gunner's a gunner's got the sharpest skates, um, which means yeah, the gunner just literally disappears for weeks at a time. The battalion commander has no idea where he is. It's, just, it's, it's like ghost of a person <laughs> that's the expert in all firearms throughout the world you know it's just like uh hot shit so um so you get to kind of leave them top i guess yeah yeah i mean uh, yes that was it i didn't want to risk getting uh, getting in trouble yeah. um i every I, didn't, I don't think i spent more than a year in each round I, I couldn't have i came in as need to I got, I got promoted before i went to boot camp Meritorious promoted to Lance Corporal, Corporal Sergeant. I think I had uh, Sergeant. I got meritorious promoted also, and uh, then just as I got out, I got selected for Staff Sergeant. Staff Sergeant is the rank that you have to hit at four by fourteen years, or they'll kick you out. I got it in four, so technically five when I got promoted. And a lot, of, I know a lot of people that got pushed out because they didn't hit that rank in fourteen, fifteen years. But uh, somehow I can't. I think I'm just really good at batting my eyes or something. Back, back when it was don't ask, don't tell, you know. <laughs> well, you, you know what you need to do to, you know what you need to do to get things done. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's a, if you Whatever make it easier for your command, the, the people that are in charge of you, your direct leaders, and you make them look good without being like, oh, well, I did this. 
you're gonna you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of leniency, you know. As long as you stay, this is my position. Like it doesn't matter how fast I run the PFT or how many pull-ups I do. Time and grade's still a thing, you know. Like you still have to wait that amount of time. And if you piss old boy, your staff sergeant, your platoon commander off, you're there's no way of you getting put in front of a promotion board or anything like that. So if you're not a team player. You're, you're not going to get promoted as quickly. No, there's just a lot of other factors with that. But um, So you go to Drexel. Yeah, so I go to Drexel. I'm also really messed up from the, the VBID, the vehicle-borne uh, improvised explosive device, the, the truck that, that ran the gate, and Baghdadi. I, I think everybody in the room that I was in got a Purple Heart. Except for except for me, I had a team out on a bridge about a mile away. So I, my team, Nori's team, was on the Euphrates River where the the civilian the civilian bridge. And I, know, I wake up, I get thrown across the room. I'm kind of dressed like this. I didn't have my obviously my my helmet on, my Kevlar, my my flak jacket, nothing. Just sitting there watching. Yeah, actually, the exact oh, the moment while they're while they're beating up the uh, the fax machine, the uh, copier, you know. Something in the water, man. It's got to be in the water. Oh, fuck. Chips on a killing spree again. We're guillotine for men. I walk around town with a frown on my face. The whole world finna get your murder case. Gonna murder your rights. Make it crease if you caught up in the world while it's dying. I guarantee you fright. Your side. And all of a sudden. I'm in a dust-filled room, could hardly see anything. Uh, got people moaning, like my Marines moaning, like in the other room. Like five guys that were in the in the room that I was in. Like it was. We took over a like a restaurant, like a cement building that was a restaurant, and you see. Uh, the axles of the van, of the, the bongo truck that blew up, were like four or five hundred meters away from the actual site of the explosion. Like, old boy that that, uh, that ran the gate, the driver, his upper torso, his lower torso is gone. His upper torso smacked one of our uh, our Hesco barriers, which is like a eight foot wall that that we put up around uh, the perimeter. And so, yeah, we had, there was a nice big blood splat of him. And being that the Iraqi police got hit harder, they were supposed to dispose of the body, and they just pretty much kicked some dirt over him. And we got to walk over his dead body every time we, uh, we went through the South ECP, South uh, Entry Checkpoint. Um, can you break for a minute? Cool. I want to start back on possibly. What do you think they would say? Hey, 
Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Toker. That's why I don't grow, because I put everybody else out of business.